You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. This morning, I'm going to be ministering on the topic of holding yourself back. And what I'm going to be talking about when I talk about holding yourself back, I'm talking about mindsets. You might want to write this down. A mindset is a certain way of thinking that creates an attitude. And many times we have mindsets in our thinking that hold us back from being the husbands that we need to be or the wives we need to be. And they hold us back from our careers. They hold us back from growing spiritually. And I'm going to talk about that today because a lot of times it's not the circumstances in your life that are holding you back. It's the mindset that you've inherited, maybe from your parents, maybe from your culture, maybe from hard knocks. A mindset that prevents the word from thriving in your life. And I know when I got saved, I had a lot of mindsets that had to change before my faith would soar. So we're going to talk about the day. I want you to look with me up on the screen here at 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14 and 19. I want to talk about Elijah the prophet, or excuse me, Elisha. And he's about ready to die. He knows that he's about ready to go to paradise. And King Asa comes to him for counsel. Verse 14. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said unto him, Take the bow and some arrows. And so he took himself a bow and some arrows. And then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hand on the king's hand. And he said, open the east window, and he opened it. And then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. Now watch this next part. For you must, say must. Is that a necessary condition? It is, isn't it? You must. It says, you must strike the Syrians at Alphac till you have destroyed them. The word destroyed means annihilate. In other words, he's saying, you're going to have to completely destroy this enemy that is trying to control you. Now watch the next part. And then he said, take the arrows. So he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck them three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Now, what I want you to see from the story here, there's a lot to preach. But the part the Lord wanted me to emphasize to you is this part. Here the king is, is, finds the will of the Lord concerning this battle. God wants to utterly annihilate the enemies that are trying to control them. I want you to hear me when I say this. When you got saved, the kingdom of God came within you. Now, the kingdom of God never wants you to be controlled by this world system. It never wants you to be controlled by the lust of the flesh and the pride of life and so forth. It never wants you to be controlled by lack. It never wants you to be controlled by sickness and disease. It never wants you to be controlled by that. And, and whatever you're facing, whether a crisis in a relationship whether financial lack, whatever you're facing, understand the will of the Lord is so that you would prevail over that and you would not be brought under the control of the economy, bring under the control of your flesh, your addiction, whatever it is, God wants you to know. He wants you to break that today in Jesus' name. 
that part is very important. But the part that I want to ask you is this. What is harder, to win three battles or to fight three battles and win or to fight five or six battles and win? Which one's harder? All right, now here's where he made the mistake. And this is true in Christianity. Many people in the church today think that when you get saved, life becomes easier. But I'm telling you right now by Scripture that to be a Christian, you have to be able to overcome hardship in your life it's not easy to get up every morning and guard your mind, every morning and guard your mouth, every morning and, and, and get the right actions. It's not easy to control your attitude. It's not easy to do that. It is harsh and hard, especially when we live in a world that's constantly trying to win us over to their way of thinking. Say amen, everybody. Amen. Praise God. And a lot of people, they think it's easy once you get saved, that's the farthest thing from the truth, and I'll prove it to you. Jesus made this statement. He said, the way is narrow and difficult that leads to life, and few find it. Now, he told us that we could have an abundant life. Didn't he say that? You can have an abundant life. But it is narrow, which means it's limiting, and it's difficult as well. Now, I like the narrow part because... Many times when you get saved, it seems like, gosh, Lord, this is so narrow. I got to love you more than anyone else, whatever. But I want you to understand a principle be behind God's abundance. If you're disciplined and live that narrow life that he says, it leads to the abundant life. And in the abundant life, there is multiple and increased opportunities in your life that you would not have if you were in a state of lack, if you were in a state of need, if you were in a, a, a state of not having enough, you don't have as many options. But when God begins to bless you, your opportunities and choices increase before you had to send your kids to a college that you could afford. Now you can send them to one that they want to go to. It doesn't matter what it costs. Or before, man, you'd be doing good if you went, if you went on a vacation and, and, and went in a tent, even though you didn't like the bugs, even though you didn't like the spiders and all that stuff. But now, if you want to, you can go to a hotel. Say amen, everybody. Your, your options increase. Before, you had to buy some old beater. Now you can buy that new pickup you want to buy with a 400-horse motor in it. Praise God. Anyway, I wanted to say that because the abundant life does do that, especially in relationships. Uh, the more you fall in love with your wife, the more she falls in love with you, the more your options increase in your life, in the relationship. It's powerful. It's the principle of abundance. Amen? Amen. But he also says that it's difficult. It's hard. And you might want to write this down. The easiest way is never the best way. I know that sounds crazy, but in Christianity, it is true because it's never easy to crucify the flesh. It's never easy to say no to sin. It's never easy to live right. It's never easy to do that. I know we got grace. I know we got the Holy Spirit. But you got to decide Jesus is Lord and get up and do that. And Paul said this. He said, endure hardship as a good soldier. So obviously, the church would have to go through 
hardship for him to say that. Wasn't that right? And one of my favorite stories is when Jesus was tempted by the devil. You remember the Holy Spirit led him in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? And he gets up there and the devil, I don't know if it was in the body or out of the body, took Jesus and put him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, why don't you jump off? The angels will have to catch you. The scripture says so. And then everybody will follow you. Now, that's a lot easier than going to the cross, isn't it? But when he went to the cross, what did he do? He annihilated. He destroyed. He destroyed the power of God. God wants you to know right now, it may be hard. You may have to endure criticism. You may have to endure the woke movement. You may have to endure getting canceled on Facebook. You may have to endure that stuff. But I'll tell you what, the power of God is better, more powerful, and God wants you to soar. So there's going to be that challenge where it is going to be hard to, to be disciplined, to pray, to serve, to, to be a person of your word that swear by your own hurt. In other words, you volunteer to do something, you come even when you don't, it's not convenient. It was hard to do it, but you did it. That takes discipline. And the church needs discipline in America. Amen? Are you with me so far? You're mad at me so far. Praise God. <laughs> I just want to say that. Now, granted, we, we've got grace and mercy, and with God in my life, it's wonderful. It gives me strength. But the reality, reality is it is difficult to live the Christian life in a world that hates Christ. And God knew that, so he warned us in advance that we're going to have some issues with that in our life. So turn to your neighbor right now that you like. And tell them it's going to be a rough road. Turn to the neighbor that you're not sure if you like. And say, did you know it's going to be a rough road too? Hallelujah. Now, I said all that to set you up for success right now. This message today is so powerful because when you change a mindset, you can believe for anything. Mindsets is what prevents a person from using their faith. You get set, you get a negative attitude towards your wife, towards your children, and you never give your best when you got a negative attitude, do you? If you got a negative attitude towards marriage, maybe you've been divorced five times and you're going into another one, so you got kind of a negative attitude, you got your account, she's got your account or her account. Listen, you'll never give your best in that relationship till you change your mindset in that marriage and say, she is the love of my life. Life, I can't even imagine living without her. She's so gorgeous. When she gets up in the morning, the sun rises up, praise God. You know, guys, you had a great opportunity right then to, to act like a crazy person and shout unto the Lord, and your wife would have looked at you and said, oh, you're so adorable, you precious thing. <laughs> Amen. But I want to show you that the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life is change your mindset. Hardest thing. Because it doesn't come because a pastor laid hands on you. It doesn't come because you just get saved one day. It comes because you focus in on the Word with all your heart, and the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to you things in your life that need to change. And see, I look at it this way. When I teach the Word of God, you get revelation. 
but you need the Holy Spirit to apply it in your life to get a new mindset. You'll never change just by human effort. The Holy Spirit has to be there to help. And I'm going to show that to you in Scripture. Look here in Mark chapter 4. And I'm going to answer some questions here about the way Jesus taught. Look what it says. But when he was alone, those around him. Say those around him. So obviously there's other people around Jesus. With the 12, ask him about the parable. Now, I'm emphasizing that for this reason. Those around them were disciples. These were not just the average people that heard about Jesus and came to be healed. These are his disciples. We know in the Bible that he had 500 of them besides the 12. And a disciple is not a convert. A disciple is someone who has repented of his sins and has decided to put Jesus first in their life. To love him more than anyone else. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you're going to have to forsake all to, to, to follow me. That, that was the condition. That's what the people that, that he's talking to right now. Look what he says. Next verse. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Now this is a mind blower. But when God ministers the word to us, and this is how he did it through Jesus, Jesus would not speak plainly to the people unless they had committed to him fully. In other words, it's almost like God the Father says, I've got seeds here that will change your life, but I'm only going to give them to the people who are committed because if I don't give them to, if, if I give them to everybody else, they won't do it anyway. But if you give it to someone who's sold out, if you give it to someone who's committed with all their heart, that seed will produce fruit in their life. That's why Jesus taught in parables. And then those who were disciples would follow after Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I need to know more about this parable. What does it mean? And he would begin to teach those. So he didn't teach those that just came for a quick listen. He taught those that came because they believed he had the answer to their life. And they could not be changed without Jesus. Amen. Amen. So you wonder why I preach on commitment. You wonder why, Pastor, boy, that's kind of rough, man. You're not, no, 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 no. Because I don't like preaching and teaching and having the seed not produce results. You got to get to the bottom of the play, a barrel where the barrel's on top of you, where you realize I can't live without God. I can't live without my creator. I can't live without him. I'm tired of doing it my way. I got to do it his way. And if you get to that place, praise God, then when the word is preached, the Holy Spirit will begin to talk to you and speak to you about things in your life that, and, and boy, when the Holy Spirit speaks, that's when revelation comes. That's when you begin to change. You can't change just because you go, I'm going to church every week. You got to be sold out. And that's part of the problem with the American church. We have easy believism, I call it. Or just be a Christian. You don't really have to have much of a commitment. Just, you know, show up now and then. You get a little insurance policy. You're going to go to heaven. That's not how it works. You've got to be willing to take up your cross and follow Jesus. 
You got to be willing to be committed to what the Lord says. You got to be willing to turn away from a life that is contrary to God. If you're not willing to do that, the word I preach to you is not going to get in good soil and it will not produce the results. Come on. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, I'm going to stir it up inside of you right now. I feel a fire burning inside of you. Come on, let's get going. Some of you got hard pan. We got to get a chisel down there and break through that dirt, praise God. But we're going to get you sold out. We're going to get you hungry and thirsty and sold out for God. That's why we have all these classes. Because you, you need to meet people that know you. Because once they know you, they know your weaknesses. It's a good thing. They can pray for you. You guys all pray for me, right? 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 Hey, hey, I need prayer more than you think I need, praise God. I know, th- I know you think I was born on a harp, but no, 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 no. Talk to my wife. I need prayer. I need prayer. Praise God. Praise God. Just the other day, my wife said, baby, come on, chill out. It's okay. Don't kill him over it. It was a typical driver. Anyway. So we need this to change our mindset. Years ago, I changed my mindset. I was in ministry, and I had been trained with a lot of religion. And I wasn't seeing God move the way that I wanted to see him move. And I had all this religious thinking that was preventing me from believing to the measure that God wanted me to have. So I started this process of renewing my mind to success instead of failure, to healing instead of sickness, to soundness instead of unsoundness. I begin to renew my mind to that. And yes, oh, you're a fanatical faith preacher. Yes, you got to change your mindset if you're going to get a breakthrough. You got to change your mindset because the way you think either will open you up for faith or it'll close the door to faith and you'll miss out on what God has for you in your life. Come on, church. Come on. We got to change the way we think. Great power in this. So it's a mindset that has to change, and when you do that, it will transform your life. Now, I'm going to make a statement right now, and I don't mean to startle you, get you upset. Please hear it through, okay? How many have heard the statement, God never fails? How many have heard that? Well, I'm going to make a statement here that may startle you, but that is not true. I can show you, and I'm going to show you in a minute, many times where God failed to minister his will to someone's life. Now, it is true that God's purposes never fail. But it is not true to think that God never fails with you. In fact, uh, there's a reference of three million people who got a purpose to bring them into the promised land. But because of their conditioning that they had, in Egypt... They weren't able to take their faith and believe what God had for them. And so God failed to bring that generation in. Jesus, who was given the Spirit without measure, failed to heal people of mighty problems they had simply because they had unbelief. Say amen. It can be God's will, but God will not force you to believe. He will not force you to change. He will not force you to be the person that God has called you to be. You have to decide to believe. Amen? Now, let me prove it to you in Scripture. 
Look over in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 and 18. Then he came to pass, this is Israel, the first generation. Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. In other words, he didn't go the shortest distance. Although that was near, which is about a month's journey. For God said, at least perhaps the people, watch this, change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. You know what he's saying to them? God is saying, I'm not going to bring Israel the shortest distance into the promised land because if they see war, they're going to retreat and they're going to change their mind and want to go back to Egypt. They're not ready. Some of you have great vision, but you're not ready. Some of you want to do great things, but you're not ready. And God knows you're not ready, so he takes you the long route. Because if you saw those things that come, here's the thing. If it's a short distance, oh, all hell breaks loose. If it's a short time, all hell breaks through. It's difficult. It's, it's rough. And God knows if you can make it or if you can't. So many times he delays just for that specific purpose so that he can get you in a place of success. Now, here's the crazy thing about this story. There were two groups of people in Israel at that time. There were the ones that were born in Egypt for 430 years. They were involved with service industry. They built the roads. They farmed the fields. They built the, the, the buildings, the houses. They did all the farming. They did all the serving. But God wants to bring them in the promised land where they're served. But they have a mindset that was built in for 430 years that all they are is a servant for other people that are better than them. That mindset is the reason why they couldn't get in. So God couldn't let them in because of that. But how many know God's purpose don't change? So God said, I may not be able to get you in, but I'm going to get your seed in. So everyone 20 years on down is going to be able to go in the promised land. Everyone else isn't. So you got all these other people that were born in the wilderness. They weren't born in Egypt. They weren't conditioned like that. They were, they were born in deliverance. And a mighty deliverance it was. Mighty deliverance. Imagine being born in the desert those 40 years and never have to work. Never have to go to the grocery store. Every morning you get up, the manna would come down from heaven. We didn't like that, quail would come. You didn't have to get an air-conditioned unit for your house. The glory cloud was over you during the day. You didn't have to turn the heater up at night. The fire of God from the tabernacle warmed everybody up there. And watch this. I don't like this, but it's a miracle. Their clothes never wore out. How would you like to have some flip-flops that lasted 40 years? How would you like to have a jacket that lasted 40 years, looks as good as it did in the beginning than it did then? Amen. It was a miracle. Wasn't it a miracle? I mean, it's a great miracle. In fact, they didn't have to dig wells. They got water out of a rock. Come on. Water come forth. Woo there it goes. I mean, just incredible. 40 years of miracles. I'm saying that for one reason. The miracles didn't change them. I said, the miracles didn't change them. They didn't change them. They didn't change them. 
The miracles didn't change them. What changes a person is the renewing of the mind. When you renew the mind, that's what changes you. Miracles don't change you. I mean, I mean, think about the power of that. That the power that God used, splitting the Red Sea, 10 plagues of Egypt, all of that was not able to change them. The only thing that could change them was the renewing of the mind with the help of the Holy Spirit. That was the only thing that could change them. And I think about that story and what God told Joshua. He says, listen, I want you to meditate on the word day and night. Make sure that what comes out of your mouth lines up with the word. And he says, if you do that, meditate on the word day and night. He says, you will make your way successful and you will have good success. Didn't say God would make them a success. He said, you would make your own self a success. Why? Because you change your mindset. Instead of being a loser, you become a winner. Instead of being defeated, you become an overcomer. Instead of being on the bottom of the barrel, you're on the top. You're the head, not the tail. You're above and not beneath. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's so good. So good. Now, I got some things I want to say to the younger generation today. And I, I don't want to be mean or anything, but I want you to understand something. The older generation didn't get in because... They had been programmed 400 years of being a nobody. Amen? But their offspring, God brought in. But how many know that even their offspring didn't keep what God gave them? See that at the end of the chapter in Joshua. They let it go too. Why? Because you had one generation that endured hardship and worked hard. And you had another generation where everything was given to them. Yeah. I know younger people don't like to hear me preach about hardship. Yeah, we did this and it took this and that was a, quite a sacrifice. I had to study man from six till midnight. Every, every night I'd be studying and work on a construction job all day long. They don't like to hear that. But you got to get this. Whatever this next generation gets comes from the first generation. In other words, we've got to build for to next generation. We got to be responsible and so for the next generation. We got to be responsible and build the foundation for the next generation. And the young people need to understand, you need to take hold of your responsibility and say, listen, I got to sacrifice and exercise hardship for my children's children, praise God. Hallelujah. That's the way it's all designed. You know, my dad worked really hard to provide for us, and he was able to give Joyce and I uh, an inheritance, not a huge one, but something. And his dad, I don't think, gave him anything. And, but that's the way the process is. That's why the Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Shouldn't be as hard for the second generation. But that doesn't mean the second generation doesn't work hard. They got to be responsible and realize not everything is free. I said not everything is free. 
the person that works hard gets more than the person that doesn't work hard. The person, come on, the person that develops their skills gets more than the one that doesn't develop their skills. And this is something that's troubling me about the education system we have today. It isn't every part of it, but in our schools today, there's this big emphasis, everybody deserves the same. So you have a, a test, you get an A, and then the guy that didn't study for it, we don't want you to have your little feelings hurt, so we're going to give you an A too because your self-esteem is just too low. Humbug. You got to work hard. You work hard to get excellence. You work hard to, come on, come on. None of you would watch football if it didn't matter about the score. And I always get mad, the mothers always get mad at me when I preach this. Because they go, now pastor, it doesn't matter who wins, it's how you play the game. No, it doesn't matter. I want to give it my best. I want, to be, I want to be on the winning side because you're going to need that in life. You're going to need that in your marriage. You're going to need that in your career. You're going to need that with your kids. You got to teach them. You work hard. You put in the time. You study. You get your head in the game. You pay the price, praise God. And God can then entrust you with much, trust you with a blessing, trust you with a, oh, praise God. Woo. My daughter, when she was growing up, I told both of my kids, I said, when you're at the house, I will pay for your college. No expense on you if you're in the home. But as soon as you get married and take off, it's no longer my problem. Well, she got married. And she, oh, we're in love. Well, fine. Have fun. And she comes back and says, you know, Dad, I need to get a good job. I said, well... I told you I'd pay for you when you're home. You're not at home now. You've got to pay for it yourself. So she paid her way through nursing school. Now she makes tons of money. You say, why did you do that, Pastor? You're so mean. No, I'm teaching her discipline. I'm teaching her. She gets it all when I croak anyway. Come on, come on. But I'm teaching her so she can teach her kids hard work pays off. And you know what I'm talking about. A lot, a lot of people get married and, and they put all this money into the wedding. And, and you know, oh, they just love it. So we're just in love. We're just in love. And, and he just loves me the way I am. No, he doesn't. no she, doesn't. she won't. She won't. She won't. She's going to see how weird you are. And she's not going to like She's going to. And you might come back. You ever hear this, hear this one, counseling? Where they go, you just got to love me the way I am. The way you are sucks. <laughs> you got to change. Amen. Marriage is when a wife marries a young man, she's really looking for the potential in him. He's got all kinds of problems, but she sees the potential. She sees, I, I can help control him. I, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> she sees potential inner spouse when my uh, when Joyce met me I met her at 15 and a half and it was uh, at a football game and I was in a rock and roll band great amazing I was a rock star 
And as soon as she saw me, she goes, oh, you're going to be the next rock star. And her eyes were flickering. And when she <laughs> saw me, stars started sparking. And yeah, it was, it was potential. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Just got the best of me there. Praise God. Now, where was I? All right. Okay, here's the part I want you to see. The way you think will determine how far you go in life. God has laid up for us this power to decide how we think. He can influence us, but he can't decide for you. He won't make you go to heaven. He won't grab you. I don't want to go to heaven. I, I, I want to live there. No, you're going anyway. That's it. Didn't you know that uh, John Calvin said that whoever I called will come? It's not true. Predestination is never, ever for someone that goes to hell. It is a plan that God gives to those who have chosen to follow him. You choose to follow God, God has a plan for you. You choose not, you make your own plan, and you'll end up in a very sour place in your life. Amen? Amen. Now, let me uh, conclude with this. Don't have a victim mentality. Victim mentality says, I can't do this, I can't change, I can't do this. Don't have it. you got to change the way you think. You're not a victim, you're an overcomer. You're not at the bottom, you're at the top. You've been called by God, you are a child of God, you're in royalty. Don't ever think anything different. Because victim mentality will never change your life. Jesus described these two things this way. He said, you never put new wine in an old wineskin. If you put new wine in an old wineskin, the old wineskin's going to bulge up and burst. Why? Because old wineskins get brittle and they don't stretch. He says, you take a new wineskin, you put new wine in it. I'm not telling you to drink. Come on. He's talking about the religion of the day compared to the gospel he preached. See, the new wine skin is that changed mindset where you're not allowing the attitudes that you had before to control your life. You allow the word to determine in your life. The Bible says, give thanks in everything. That doesn't produce a bad attitude. It produces a good attitude. And so uh, Jesus described it that way, and let me show you the power of how you think before I end this thing. You remember Jesus, one time he cast a devil out of this individual, and the religious leaders were watching him, and they said this to him. They said, you're Bel Bel uh, Bel anyway, that guy. In the Roman Empire, that was a term that means the Lord of the Flies or the Prince of Evil. So basically, they were telling Jesus, you're Satan himself. Satan has possessed you. That's what they're calling. And you know what Jesus' response was? Now, this is a bad attitude. Would you all agree, a bad attitude? Jesus said, all, you know, sins like that will all be forgiven. 
So even though you got a bad attitude about me right now and saying that I'm evil and whatever, that can still be forgiven. But then he said, when you blaspheme against the Holy Ghost, you will not be forgiven in this life or the lifetime to come. In other words, what he's saying is God allows your thinking. The way you think is so powerful that even though the Holy Spirit wants you to change, even though God's will wants you to change, that God will never make you change the way you think. He always leaves that choice up in your life. People are not cast into hell, forced into hell because they didn't make a decision. They're forced into hell because they wouldn't accept Christ, because they wouldn't take the Savior. No one's ever went to hell that the gospel wasn't preached to. No one has ever been cast into Hades or whatever. It never happened. It's people's choices in life. And God will always minister to you by the Holy Spirit and bless you if you would, are willing to do so. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.